from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And when they would tell him these things, he would write them down, and he found that they would fall into certain categories. You want to help people learn how to be concerned, uh, but to stay away from panic. I sometimes call them thought illusions, uh, and he called them cognitive distortions because they were distorted thoughts that were not based on facts. I'm Sarah Fenske. Mental health is increasingly a concern for Americans. No less than U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy sounded the alarm at a Yahoo Finance event in October. We were struggling with high rates of anxiety and depression and suicide, including among young people, long before COVID-19 came. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? Recognizing that for many people, uh, you know, the crisis of COVID-19 has actually increased uh, rates of depression and, and anxiety. And Dr. Dale Anderson sees that firsthand. He's a Wash U-trained psychiatrist with a big practice right here in St. Louis. And he joins us today to talk about it. And some ways therapy and even an app can help. So Dr. Dale Anderson, welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you. So Dr. Anderson, how busy are mental health professionals these days? Oh, well, there's such a, a shortage of uh, psychiatrists and, uh, and, and licensed counselors that uh, People are, are having a, a very difficult time getting the mental health care they need. Uh, I was reading an article last night about uh, one psychiatrist here in St. Louis who was just saying that uh, everyone that, uh, that they were seeing needed to get therapy right away. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, and people were telling him, I've called 20 people and don't know what to do because they, everybody was full. That's got to be tough because you get into this because you want to help people, and yet there's only so many hours in the day. Do you find yourself sort of being pushed and pulled by that? Oh, sure. Yeah, I uh, I find that uh, that people just have so many needs, and uh, and it's 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 a real struggle to try and and help people uh, to the degree that they need it. And and people are busy, and sometimes you, you make suggestions, and their kids come first. You you may make a suggestion about uh, about getting therapy and and people tell you, well, I don't have time for therapy. And, and sometimes I've had to point out to them sometimes that uh, if you have clinical depression, uh, it can rob you of your motivation and cause you to have so much fatigue that you actually, when you come home from work, may be just frittering away uh, two hours a day. A yeah. lot of people, have, they have no energy. And so they're losing 14 hours a week. And if they went to see a therapist, uh, you know, it would cost them maybe, you know, a couple of hours a week. And uh, they would actually, uh, if they get good, good, effective therapy, uh, then it's a net gain because they're, they're, they're spending maybe two, two, two and a half hours a week in order to get back the 14 that they were losing from depression. I mean, you make a great case there. This is something that if we don't deal with it, it's going to end up dealing with us. Exactly, exactly. Well, you mentioned effective therapy, and I know you're a real proselytizer for a certain form of therapy. This is called cognitive behavioral therapy. What's the idea uh, behind that practice? Well, the uh, original uh, 
uh, the original was called cognitive therapy, and I learned about it back in 1980 when uh, the director of the clinic at uh, Washington University uh, School of Medicine, where I did my residency, uh, was doing a study. And George Murphy was a wonderful psychiatrist who was an expert in the field of, uh, of suicide. He was a pioneer in that uh, in that area in psychiatry, and he had learned about cognitive therapy from from Aaron Beck, who developed it. And Dr. Beck found that uh, he was seeing mood shifts in the uh, in his patients while he was talking to them, and he recognized their facial expressions changing, and he asked them what went through your mind when that happened. And when they would tell him these things, he would write them down, and he found that they would fall into certain categories. And so he asked the question, well, if I could, if I could teach people to avoid these categories of thought, I wonder what would happen. And, and he would find that people would, uh, who were depressed would engage in negative predictions, for instance. Uh, or, uh, Give us like an example. What would be a negative prediction? Like, I'm going to get fired. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's negative. <laughs> and so your brain is kind of jumping to this. Right. This is going to be bad. Right. Or I'm going to I'm going to fail the exam I'm about to take. Yeah. And uh, and so he would he would try to help people to recognize that you know making negative predictions is self-destructive and self-defeating because when you when you predict the future and you predict disaster and failure, you actually can very easily wind up actually making it more likely to happen because if you predict that you're going to get fired you're not going to think very much about how to secure your job. Right, yeah. And it makes it harder to concentrate, harder to do your job if you're thinking that way because it raises your anxiety level so much it's hard to concentrate. But so we all have these kind of subconscious negative thoughts and predictions kind of flicking through our head. Do we have the power to stop them? Well, Dr. Beck called them automatic thoughts. Hmm. And uh, and he basically uh, would just sit down with people and, and listen to them talk about what they were going through and what their histories were. And and get a feel for, you know, what kinds of thoughts that were dysfunctional they were having, and then try to help them to learn how to recognize those, and then actually how to discard them by recognizing the flaws in them. I sometimes call them thought illusions, uh, and he called them cognitive distortions, because they were distorted thoughts that were not based on facts. And our, our minds are really powerful, and if we train our minds to recognize dysfunctional thinking and to, uh, and to intervene just by, for instance, with a negative prediction saying, the future is still in the future. Mm-hmm. I like to use that as a kind of a template that you can use in any situation where you're predicting disaster or failure. If you say the future is still in the future, then you, you bring yourself back to the reality that that negative thing has not happened yet. And that can give you a little bit of time and perspective to think about how you might prevent a negative outcome or how you might push things in the direction of a good outcome. And so, Dr. Anderson, is this what you're doing when you're giving therapy to patients? You're sort of teaching them how to train their brain so they're not falling into those those distortions. Exactly, exactly. Uh, for instance, with, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, a person... Uh, very easily could think, well, you know, life is never going to get back to normal. It and does sometimes feel that way. Because this <laughs> pandemic is never going to end. Yeah. But that's a negative prediction. It's, it's self-defeating. It's self-destructive. And, uh, and it actually can lead to excessive anxiety when actually a lot of progress is being made. We know that there are medicines that are being developed to help uh, to actually combat the, uh, the, the COVID-19 virus. And we also know that, uh, that vaccines, uh, you know, have helped making a huge difference exactly and uh, when we were uh, when we had uh, you know when when the vaccines were introduced 
the death rates dropped by about 90%, but then people started getting complacent and right. people started taking Need those boosters. Take, as people started taking off their masks and a certain, you know, large percentage of the population still didn't get vaccinated and so and and also uh, our efforts uh, internationally to try and and help people in other countries uh, you know are are falling short even though we're we're making efforts and so that allows ver- more variants to develop and so we've got to we've got to really recognize that we're in a kind of a war mm-hmm. and when you're in a war uh, you know, you really take a serious attitude about it, and you don't let up before you've actually completely vanquished the enemy. And we're we're dealing with an invisible predator that uses us as hosts, and so we have to learn how to uh, to recognize its weaknesses. And its weakness is that it it can't survive without getting into our bodies. Yeah. And so if we use the barriers that are available, like you know, like uh, like multiple layer cloth or, or nylon masks. And I, I, in reading, learned about uh, something I hadn't learned about before, which is mask fitters that actually incre- that greatly in- increase the effectiveness of masks that you wear because they're just designed to, uh, to make a snug fit. Yeah. Because most people are wearing masks that are a little bit loose, and so uh, they only get about 38% of, of the uh, filtration effectiveness. But if you put on a, you put on a mask fitter, uh, you can increase the uh, efficiency of the filtration and, uh, and prevent... Uh, the spread of the virus uh, to a much greater degree. And and so for a cognitive behavioral therapist looking at the lay of the land here, you'd want to keep people from despair, but you'd want to help them find like, okay, you can actually do practical things here, like train your brain not to give up on all this. Exactly. You want to help people learn how to be concerned, how to be cautiously optimistic, uh, but to stay away from panic because panic actually inter- interferes with our immune response. And it's actually been shown that if you are uh, if you are chronically stressed, it actually decreases your immune system's response, and you actually decrease the amount of interferon that, pr- that your body normally produces to fight viruses. Mm. And also, uh, when students were put under stress, uh, their uh, their their T killer cells actually uh, actually decreased. And so uh, so we need to work on doing things that help us to stay more calm and relaxed and positive because it really does help our immune system. So Joshua tweets that cognitive behavioral therapy has, quote, absolutely helped him. He writes, therapy was a critical tool in my toolkit before the pandemic and is now even more so as we continue to navigate all this mess. So people are finding this a a helpful thing. Now, as we mentioned before, some providers are overwhelmed. There's so many more people who need therapy than there are trained psychiatrists like you capable of giving it. But you're trying to do something about this, and that's an app. Right. I, I recognize that um, in order to, uh, to try to get uh, more people uh, to have the access to this resource, that I had to find some way to reach more people because I can only see a certain number. And, and You're seeing a lot. And, yeah, I'm seeing a lot. Yeah. And, and yet and still, uh, you know, with all the therapists who are out there, uh, there still are nowhere near enough uh, to, to actually make this uh, easily available to people on a one-to-one basis. So I developed an app that's designed to help people to learn cognitive therapy skills, but it uh, I call it kapow because I, I I see sometimes where people feel like the the word therapy is not not 
not uh, likable, not that, attracted that to some them. People yeah, off. and they feel like I don't need therapy. You know, that's for people who are weak-minded or something like that. And so, uh, but very few people re- reject the word power or the idea of having power over their minds or power over their thoughts or emotions. And so, I uh, combined cognitive with power and came up with kapow. I love it. And Kapow, this is not spelled in the way that you would see in a comic book. This is C-O-Pow. Right. Um, and so this app, this app provides videos about, you know, various mistakes and cognitive disorders that people engage in when they're dealing with stress. And then it gives a scenario along with multiple choice questions to help hit that home. Here's one example. My kids should listen to me when I tell them to do something. And the fact that they don't and that they keep trying to aggravate me while we're cooped up during the quarantine is making me so frustrated that I feel like I'm going to explode or do or say something I'll regret. Which kind of destructive thought pattern best matches the kind of thought this person was having? Make your choice and then click Submit. This is an example of the destructive thought pattern known as should statements. They're what I call the mother of all guilt and anger. We're using should statements when we embrace unrealistic expectations of ourselves or others or life. Examples would be thoughts like, life should be fair, or I should be perfect, or other people should always behave perfectly. These kinds of ideas lead to endless anger with other people, anger with life, and when we impose them on ourselves with shoulds about being perfect, we end up feeling endlessly guilty and disappointed in ourselves. And that is from the app Kapow, uh, developed by St. Louis psychiatrist Dale Anderson, who's here with me today. Dr. Anderson, you're basically giving people sort of an interactive crash course in cognitive behavioral therapy. This is something maybe people would normally have to go to a college class or a therapist to get. You're just putting it out there. That, that was the idea, was to make it available to as many people as possible and, and, uh, and make it available on the Internet so people don't have to download it from the App Store or anything like that. And, uh, and to make it free. And, uh, and so people can, can use it and learn from it. And even though they're learning cognitive therapy, we, I chose the issues that, are, that, are, that have been really brought to the fore by the pandemic. Because mm-hmm. as, you, uh, as you heard in that previous one, uh, the you know, parents can sometimes just feel like they're having more and more conflict with their children because they're cooped up you know, because, sure. of the, because of the pandemic. And so I wanted to try to address that. And I actually included resources that people can read, you know, in addition to what they learn from the what I call mental self-defense statements that I come up with to help people to neutralize the tendency to have these should statements about perfection in themselves and perfection in other people and perfection in their kids. And so people have to learn just to have some perspective and recognize that their kids are just being kids and that the, that the parent is the teacher. So if people want to check this out, we've actually just tweeted a link to this app, um, and that's on our Twitter, at STL on Air. If you go there, you can see this for yourself. Uh, we also have information at Kapow, that again is C-O-P-O-W, forliving.com, a uh, link on our website as well. want to encourage people to check this out. Dr. Anderson, it's interesting to me just how even a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy or a little reminders of some of these things can really stop bad thought patterns in their tracks. This is something people could dabble in and still end up getting a positive benefit from. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, just learning to recognize uh, our tendency sometimes to uh, engage in emotional reasoning where we make decisions that are really important based on just emotions and instead of on the facts. And that's one thing that I incorporated into a topic that I've used in the app that's about 
fear of vaccines. And we found, I found some wonderful digital illustration that shows exactly what the mRNA vaccines do inside your cells so that it demystifies it. Because I had, I had a young man tell me that he, he didn't feel comfortable getting vaccinated because he didn't want them to inject him with the virus. Ugh. And so uh, it, was, it was really important, I realized, for people to, to have a co- clear, concrete picture uh, that really matches the facts of you know of how vaccines were developed and how it works and what it does and what it doesn't do, so that they would really feel more comfortable and relaxed and and not engage in emotional reasoning, but rather engage in decisions that are based on facts. Well, Dr. Dale Anderson, I appreciate this work you're doing to to help people uh, stick to the facts here, get rid of this disordered thinking. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It was great. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering by Aaron Doerr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.